episode 37 of MTG Radio. This is Trevor. And this is Tom. And, um, yeah, we're back again. Sorry about the, like, the breaks and stuff. This is what happens when we don't stay on the schedule. Sorry about the random Backstreet Boys reference that Trevor just made. How did I make a Backstreet Boys reference? Guess who's back, 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 back again. You're obnoxious. Mm-hmm, Alright, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. since we've been gone... Tell like, a friend. Um... Since we've been gone, M11 has dropped officially from the Vault Rugs, has been spoiled, and a whole bunch of other awesomeness. So we're going to quickly jump into M11 Hits and Misses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something Tom really wanted to talk about. Do you mean for EDH or in general? <laughs> what are your misses? Definitely for EDH. Uh, a lot like Stuff like Flash Freeze I think is a miss. I don't really want to play Flash Freeze in EDH, but okay. I do want to play Combust in EDH. So just stuff like that. So definitely for EDH. Sound good, man? Sounds like a plan. All right, so probe your brain first. All the original lore and Planeswalkers, are they playable in EDH? The answer yes. is yes, yes, of course. Yes, all the Titans, including the blue one, are they all playable in EDH? Yes, even Dr. Manhattan is playable in EDH. The Titans are all awesome. I mean, the blue one is the worst of the group, and I know he made fun of him because he has giant junk, but <laughs> he's he's still he's still good, especially like a mono blue deck. Mm-hmm. I would wow. I don't. I wouldn't scoff at anyone for playing Frost Titan. Definitely. I mean, like, he doesn't take the spot of like Lorthos the Freshmaker, but he's definitely good. I actually think I prefer him to Lorthos because I've never used Lorthos correctly. Oh, if if you've never used Lorthos, you're you're missing out, Trev. Upgrades. Dark tutelage. Hit or miss. Ooh, such a miss, man. I agree. It makes me sad because I wanted that card to be good, but unless you can, like, I mean, it, it's good if you have top out, but. Otherwise, in a mono-black EDH deck, I mean, I'm sure you could fudge around it and figure it out, but generally, if you're playing black, you have enough ways to draw cards, especially in EDH. I just don't... I, I thought I'd like it way more, and I, I don't. Alright, so we got a bunch of tribal lords in this one. We have the new Night Lord and the new Vampire Lord, which I think are kind of like, meh. And then we have the classics from the other tribes. Um, what do you think about tribal lords in EDH? Um, I like them. I'm not a fan of tribal EDH, really, like, mm-hmm. too terribly much. The elf one and the goblin one are both solid. Very uh, true. The merfolk one is great. That's because merfolk have 800,000 lords. Yeah, and it's also good when you're playing like Wake Thrasher and you just want to get in there for a lot. That's when it's yeah. good. But um, I, yeah, it, it's all great. Um, I'm, a, I'm obviously a fan. Uh, I'm kind of sketchy on the vampire in the lore. The new one, Captivating. I, you like it? I don't like it. Yeah. I don't know, there's just something about it that just doesn't appeal to me. Like, I can understand how that effect would be good, but I'd rather just play, like, Enslave in Mono Black, or, like, play Black Blue and play Mind Control. I mean, I just don't don't think it's good enough, but that's just me, so whatever. I, I don't, it makes you overextend, I really just don't like it, like... Yeah, it's like, I, I'm playing five of my tribal guys out, I play Day of Judgment. Then you're all yeah. crying like Soren did on the original card. Yes. The world is <laughs> black and dark and scary. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, what are your feelings on Baneslayer Angel and... and um, it's Baneslayer Angel. I honestly... It's not as good as it would be in Standard, but mm-hmm. it's still a good card. I don't think it's not... It's not like any white deck has to play it like you would in Standard, but um, it's still playable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still got the same moniker of Oh Damn is BSA, just like... If you're play- if someone plays Tarmogoyf, it's still Tarmogoyf, you know. So I think it's good. Um, what about Crystal Ball? What's your opinion of Crystal Ball? 
Crystal Ball, I think, is most definitely playable in EDH. I think many people who are already playing top will be playing Crystal Ball and won't be as happy about it, but will be happy about it. I think it's greater for newer players who don't really want to pay, like, three bucks for Sensei's top and just want to play with the Crystal Ball. And I, think- I, I like Crystal Ball and top separately, and I honestly, I'd be tempted to play both. I know that's wrong of me, but it's true. I'm sorry if I sounded all distracted right now. I'm getting a back rub. This is awesome. Wow. Okay. Anyways... No, no, no. I, I think uh, Crystal Ball is great also just because it's abusable with stuff like Voltaic Key. So, I'm a really big fan. Scry is important when compared to Sensei's. I think, I think Crystal Ball is good. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't point to Crystal Ball for Voltaic Key, though, because... There's better things. There are so many other targets for Voltaic Key in EDH. That's in true. Limited, yeah, it's great. I think the important thing about Crystal Ball, like you said, is the Scry. You can put those cards on the bottom. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Very true. What do you think about Call to Mind? Um, I think it's really great in Pyromancer's Ascension decks. But in EDH, you think it's kind of like lackluster? A little bit. I mean, I like Nuklevy, but mm-hmm. you have to be blue-red to play Nuklevy. So I think it's good that blue has this ability. Then again, I also think it's bad because I don't want people doing it to time stretch. True. What do you think about the new blue twin cast called, I think, Redirect or something like that? I like it. I like it a lot. I think I feel like that's the the ability blue should have. That's what I said when we first talked about that card. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy that one. I think it's great in EDH. It's just fun turning things around. And then the red fork, which is just fork but templated correctly, I think that's great. Reverberate. Yeah. Happy about it. It's seeing play in standard, which is awesome. To throw a curveball at you, what do you think of Sword of Body and Mind? Um, I was very happy. Alright, just in case anyone's curious, Sword of Body and Mind is the preview card from uh, Scars of Mirrodin that's going to be in From the Vault Relics. It's a three-mana artifact, equipment. It has an equip cost of two, and it says, Equip Creature gets plus two plus two, and has pro blue and green. Whenever Equip Creature deals combat damage... Or, sorry. Yeah, whenever Equip yeah. Creature deals combat damage... To a player. Put ten cards of target player's library into his or her graveyard, and put a 2-2 green wolf token into play. Yeah, that card is bonkers. Yeah, I mean you can, and it's it's ball. You can mill yourself too. So if you ever want to mill yourself, yeah, that's fine. Yep, yeah, that, yeah, that'll be fun. I think it's uh, people have already been in EDH. They've been tutoring up swords all day, and now they can actually tutor up a real one in standard too. So I think it's great. It's for me, it's a better target than like a basilisk collar. Like seriously, I'm tired of getting basilisk collar with my Stoneforge Mystic in standard. I want to get a freaking sword of body and mind and just be all like, ha ha ha, guess who's learning ne- guess who's losing next turn. Yeah. I like it, but I mean I wish it was I, I kinda wish it was like scry one or draw a card or something instead of mill ten. Yeah, I think the mill is kinda like I actually like it because it is different. I think it would just like draw a card or scry two, which is probably the same power level. I mean, the red-blue one already has draw a card on it. Yeah. So, repeating is, the draw a card would have been kind of like, meh. I think I would have liked the mill if the Eldrazi hadn't have just come out. Yeah. Well, to be honest, if you're main decking Eldrazi, I mean... Okay. <laughs> no, if this if this becomes popular, if a deck with this becomes oh. popular, not only do we have all the Eldrazi, we have Elixir of Truth. And you can sideboard one... Like, you sideboard a Kozilek, and this card can never mill you out. Yeah, but it's also still giving something plus two, plus two, and giving you an extra little buddy. And if you're playing Eldrazi, you're probably playing green, so he's getting through a lot of creatures. I still think it's a great card. I I don't... Will impact standard a lot? Probably not. 
but throwing an actual curveball at you, how do you think about Sword of Vengeance in EDH? Um, I like Sword of Vengeance. A Chroma Sword, I really like it. A Chroma Sword is great. I've, I've played with it in EDH already. It basically took over the game. If you don't remove it immediately, it kind of just blows up everything. Um, what are your feelings on Merfolk Sovereign in EDH? No wrong one, Conundrum Sphinx. Oh, um, I, I like Conundrum Sphinx. I feel like it's one of those cards that... It's, it's one of those powerful standard cards that doesn't draw the hate. Like, if you play a Baneslayer Angel, you are gonna you might become a target, depending on what turn of the game it is. Mm-hmm. If you play Conundrum Sphinx, everyone still gets some sort of advantage out of it. Yeah. So, I don't think it's as big of a target. It's really good in standard, but I also think it's definitely, at minimal, playable in EDH. I think it's a good card. Yeah, definitely don't do what I did at the pre-release, though. The person I was playing against and I, at the same time, both misread it. And we read that uh, if you get the if you get the uh, question wrong, you keep it on top and you don't put it on the bottom. So that was fun. No gosh. I mean, it was good for me because she kept on getting like the wrong land on top, and I kept on drawing random creatures. <laughs> so I was happy with it, but whatever. It was it was unfair to her, and I'm sorry. What do you think about Polyrath? In, or, sorry, Mass Polymorph in EDH. I like it. You, we, you we, like so- it, Mass Polymorph in EDH? I don't think it can work. I do. Really? really? Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand if you, like, play... Like, your general is your only creature or something, but then you're just playing Polymorph. I I just don't think it, it has the power to get there, to be honest. Like, in EDH. I think... Okay. I don't, I don't necessarily think it has the power to get there. I think it has the power to be a ton of fun. Okay, that's true. I want to play this with Hive Mind out. That's what I'm talking about. I want to play this with Eye of the Storm out. Like... Wow, that, I, that'd be I ridiculous. Just, like, yeah, I'm, I'm nonsense. Um, so you're saying the, it's a good tool for big hug decks? Well, and and just just for fun deck, not like anything super serious. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think about the cards in from the vault relics? I think they are great, and I think we can definitely just go down them. Uh, the first is we talked about sort of body and mind. Then we have Karn Silver Golem, which is a classic uh, monocolored general. He's Karn. He's just kind of cool. He's out of the stupid looking brown border now. He's in a nice yeah. looking silver border, and he's like punching your face, and it's awesome. So that's good. And there's Ivory Tower, which is also great. If you don't know what Ivory Tower does, it's uh, a very classic card. At the beginning of your upkeep, uh, gain one life for each card in your hand in excess of four. So it costs one mana, and it comes out on the first turn, and you just gain a shite load of life. So it's great. Yes. Um, next is Aether Vial, one mana artifact. In case you don't know, it's an uncommon from Dark Steel. <laughs> Dark Steel. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may you may put a charge counter on it. Tap it. Put a creature card with converting mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on it from your hand into play. Next, that card is great, by the way. Next is Mox Diamond, which as of right now is going for a low of forty-three dollars. Uh, for zero mana, comes into play. Discard a land card. You can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool play this ability as a mana source. So, yeah. The the weirdest part about From the Vault Relics is that it's it has an MSRP of like 35 bucks and there's cards in here that like Mox Diamond are worth 45. So. Right. Uh, next is Isochron Scepter, an uncommon from Mirrodin. <laughs> it's a two mana artifact imprint. When you play it, you remove an instant with converted mana cost two or less in your hand from the game. Pay, uh, tap two, tap it. You may You may copy the imprinted card without paying its mana cost fun card. I love Isochron. I, I've, I've had some broken things happen to me with Isochron. I've been Orm chanted out 
by Isochron, which pissed me off. Uh, next is Mirari. Haha, I got it. Five for Legendary Artifact. Whenever you play an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay three colorless. If you do, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I, I've seen this played in EDH to good effect once or twice, so I think it's another good EDH card. The next card is a great EDH card. I worry that Miriari might be abused in EDH. I mean, it, like, it's one of those cards where if they play it and they're playing fun spells, it makes the game more fun. If they're playing Time Stretch, <laughs> it makes the game... I mean, it makes the game, for me, a little bit less fun. I mean, for them, I'm sure they're having a blast. The next card is um, Tentacles. It's Nivinral's Disc. It's a four-mana artifact. Um, tap one. It's the reset button. Destroy all creatures, artifacts, enchantments. Uh, they can't be regenerated. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the only thing is, it now looks like a legitimate reset button, and it no longer has the tentacles coming out, because it has new art, which is kind of oh. sad. I totally miss them. The next card is Jester's Cap. I actually remember this being one of Kevin's favorite cards. Uh, it's for four. It's an artifact. Uh, for two and a tap, you can sacrifice Jester's Cap, search target player's library for three cards, remove them from the game, then that player shuffles to her library. It's really not even decent in EDH, but we I, gotta I mention it. Um, I don't know if... Might be, maybe it was Benny Smith. I think it was Benny Smith. was saying that Dresser's Cap should be played more in EDH to strip combo pieces or other th- just strip things out of people's decks. And I understand where they're coming, where he's coming from with it. I can but understand he, that, but that's also why I play Thought of Adele. Yeah. Um, next, we have Sundering Titan. He's an 8-mana, 7-10. When he comes into play, choose a... Um, when he comes into play, choose a land of each basic type, then destroy those lands. Yeah, this guy is annoying to see come down on the oh, field across I, from you. I actually read him. I thought you chose a land type and you destroyed all those lands. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a lot. Not as good as that. <laughs> okay, totally That'd different. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I remember Eric, Mr. Suitcase, was talking about how he played this in Karn and just, yeah. Just started really, laughing. Really good in that deck. Yep. Uh, next one is Zurin Orb. This is a classic from Ice Age. Uh, for zero mana, sacrifice a land to gain two life. The artifact costs zero mana. Um, I believe... Is this one with new art? Because it deserves it. Nope. No new art on Zurin Orb. <laughs> so sad. Alright, you next got the next guy. Uh, Mastercore does have new art. Mastercore engage your wondering is a 4 4 for 4 At the beginning of your upkeep, you may discard a card. If you don't, sack Mastercore. Tap 2. Deal on damage target creature. Tap two, regenerate Mastercore. Mm-hmm. I like Mastercore. Yeah, I, I think he's a good card. I, uh, I like card a lot more than his old art. Yeah, his old art is weird, and he has like triple chins, and he looks like John Goodman. It's nothing good. And it he looks like a phallic coming out of his mouth in the old art, too. Yeah. So next right. one is uh, Black Vice uh, for one colorless... Uh, at the beginning of... You choose an opponent when it comes into play. At the beginning of the chosen player's upkeep, Black Vice deals X damage to that player where X is the number of cards in his or her hand, minus four. So this card is great. It used to be played on the first turn with uh, Ivory Tower a lot. So. Uh, next we have Soul Ring. Um, it's Soul Ring. That card's awesome. One mana artifact, add two mana... Add, tap to add two colorless, two mana pool. It's yep. so good. It's already a. It's it costs twelve dollars already, so it's a great, 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 great card. Uh, and then the last card is Memory Jar. 
Hello, memory jar. Uh, for five colors mana, tap, sacrifice memory jar. Each player exiles all cards from his or her hand face down and draws seven cards. At the beginning of the next end step, each player discards his or her hand and returns to his or her hand each card he or she exiled this way. It's really just a great card. It has that classic time twister effect on it. And even though you don't get to keep the cards, you get to see the next seven and you get to play the best card out of it, hopefully, and then just end up being happy with whenever you use Memory Jar. I've never been sad about using Memory Jar. No, I think it's a great card. Definitely. So those are the From the Vault Relics. El- exiled? Relics? Relics. Relics. <laughs> These are the Relics. And they're awesome. I think they're almost all of them are completely playable in EDH. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's great. I love that Wizards is doing this, and I'm very happy for you that you're getting a back rub. <laughs> Not anymore. That was really late. Anyway, I really wish, though, that I could get it at retail, because I probably won't be able to. Yeah, this is going to be very hard to find at retail. I remember st- s- weird things going on from the vault. Re- Exile, people were saying that, like, they would go to a store and they'd pre-order it, then they'd come back to the store, store would say, oh, we're actually out of all of these from the vault. Exile. Then, like, they'd come back the next day, the store would actually have the regular stock and it'd be marked up by, like, $30. Yeah. So it depends on how sketchy your store is, guys. But <laughs> Alrighty, um so you told me before we started recording that you had, you built a crash deck on Commander that you want to talk about? Hells to the yeah I did. Uh, I built a crash deck. Um I think we've talked about this before. I'm getting more and more into Magic Online and just I I already have a Naya deck, built a Jun deck, put Crash as a general. Crush is a great general. He's also a great beginner general just because he's like one of the pe- one of the generals that you'll see a lot because he was in Alara. And a lot of people have a lot of Alara cards. So a lot of people got started during Alara. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people did. Alright. So Crush the Blood Braided. Two black, red, green. He's a three three. Legendary human warrior. Whenever another creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may put X plus one plus one counters on Crush the Blood Braided, where X is that creature's power. Um yeah, I've always loved Crash. Uh, the idea when you play Crash is just to... Uh, mine is almost just like a mid-rangey deck. It's just playing the best things that it can for the mana that it has. So you're playing stuff like Voltress Zombie, which is a great card from Ravnica. Three green and a black, flying 3-3. Three, three. Whenever a card is put into opponent's graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one, plus one counter on Voltress Zombie. That guy gets big fast, just like Crash gets big fast. Uh, Boom Tube, as he's affectionately called, is... Uh, Hiding in this deck. There he is. Lord of Extinction. Uh, for three black and a green. He's a mythic rare from Alara Born. Uh, Lord of Extinction's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in all graveyards. Uh, he's just a great fatty to have out. People look at Boom Tube and they go, great. I can't wait to be attacked by a 22-22. This blows. I mean, he's just great to have out there because he like, blocks Greater Gargadon and laughs with his huge mouth of boominess. The Altered Arts on Lord of Extinction is hilarious like where I am because it's at Armada Games they call him Boom Tube and there's just so many pictures of just like a cannon with his mouth and it's just funny <laughs> just like Boom Tube written in huge letters across him um a card that's actually showed up in a uh, vintage today Wickerbow Elder is another great card for three and a green uh Wickerbow Elder enters the battlefield with a negative one negative one counter on it it's a four four for green remove a negative one negative one counter from it destroy target artifact or enchantment uh, if you listen to the m11 hits or misses i mean there's a lot of good artifact and enchantments coming back around now uh S- sword of vengeance is something you want to get rid of so a really important thing in edh which we stressed before a lot 
is just getting rid of artifacts and enchantments. They're important. And then I guess... Well, I, 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 when you when you said vintage, you meant legacy, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure, because I... Yeah, I thought you meant legacy. I was I was like, vintage tournament? Some of you... People still play that format? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, then uh, I have stuff like All the Dust in the deck. Uh, Insurrection, because it's awesome. And Gelatinous Genesis, just because I have one. And you get to make XXX green ooze creature tokens... And it's so cool. <laughs> and you get to, like, see the tokens in MTGO, which is one of the best parts about it. And so they're, like, these weird, shift shapey guys. And they're like, oh, wait, that guy's an 8-8? This is bullshit. It's just great. I love the card. And so that's basically Crush. Um, stuff that really interacts with Crush I don't have. It has a lot of kill spells, which is good with Crush. But um, the deck is actually really transformable into a Karthus Tyrant Agen deck. Which is uh, for four black, red, and a green, flying, hasty, 7-7. Seven, seven. When Karthus, Tyrant Adjund, enters the battlefield, gain control of all dragons, then untap all dragons. Other dragon creatures you control have haste. So there's a lot of dragons in the deck already. So he just ends up being awesome. Yeah, the only the only problem with um, Koresh as a general is if someone has a copy effect. Mm-hmm. Like Sakashima especially. I Sakashima, your dude. Thanks. For taking all my dragons. Yeah, Sad I know. I remember. I think it was either you or you or Kevin. One of you guys built a crash deck, and the other person played Sakashimi and was like, "Um, you lose." <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've done that to Kevin before. Well, he stole my damn. Ta- he, he okay. This is how it happened. I play Kaiga. Forget that he has Karthus as his general. He plays Karthus, steals my Kaiga, swings in. It's almost game. I go, okay, Kevin. Rules question. If I copy Karthus Tyrant Jund with Sakashimi the Imposter. Do I get his abilities? Yes. So then will I take your dragons and my dragons back and just swing at your face for game? And he's like, yes. And then I won. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's why I don't like him as my general. I like him to just play randomly and steal people's dragons and win. So, Karthus Tyrant of Jund, killing people since 99. No. <laughs> I know. I know that's incorrect. I put thumbs up. Um... I guess we can talk about your new article, though, that came up on 60cars.com. Yeah, um, I just wrote this quickly in the show notes. It's kind of just something I wanted to pass over. It's really not that... The article isn't that uh, um, groundbreaking, I guess is a good word. It's just the, it's the first EDH primer that I'm writing. Kind of like Benny Smith. He wrote three. I'm going to be doing something similar. This first one really just covers... Um, it covers the format of EDH. The, difference to, the differences between EDH and regular magic... Um, my opinion of how EDH games should be, I try not to use the word fun, because that fun's really subjective, but more interactive. Mm-hmm. It should be intuitive, interactive games that are chaos multiplayer. It shouldn't be, like, Jim taking infinite turns, because that's not very nice of Jim. I'm sure Jim is having fun, but the game is no longer interactive and intuitive, and that's the difference. So. Speaking of extra turns, you know how a lot of people don't like Emrakul? I've actually... Yeah. Uh, Somebody argued that the reason people don't like Emrakul is basically just because he's a colorless time walk effect. Yeah. Or, or she. Emrakul's a she. So she's a colorless time walk effect. So a lot of people are saying, don't ban Emrakul, ban taking extra turns, and you'll solve a lot of problems. And I think that's completely true. If people just played Emrakul and they don't take the extra turn, I mean, I think it's um, a more fair of a card. I disagree. I, I think taking extra turns is bad. Emrakul's bad. Emrakul's bad because A, she takes an extra turn, but you have to remember, she also cannot be countered, and 
she has Annihilator 6. That's kind of good. I'm not a fan of Annihilator and EDH at all. I took most... The only Eldrazi I still play in some of my decks is Artisan of Kozilek, and that's not because it's a... I mean, it's because it's a pretty solid creature that gets another creature back, and it's colorless. I mm-hmm. don't... I rarely ever attack with it. It's usually just a block. But Time Walk effects, I would honestly... I would have to say, I'd rather someone play Time Stretch, because it can't be countered, than someone play Emrakul. Well, then again, if, if, if your format is playing a lot of Emrakul, just play a lot of Mindbreak Trap. Because then you're exiling the spell and you're not countering it, and you get to feel happy when the person who's playing Emrakul goes, but how does that work with the rules? And you just get to call a judge and be smart. You call a judge in an EDH game? Where, like, is there a judge in your like dining room? What's going on? I judge. just call you. Oh, I'm not a judge. I know. Also, if you're tired of playing against Emrakul, play Wing Shards. That's a good way to do it. One white, white, storm, target player, sacrifice. That's... Uh, worded oddly, but attacking creatures you sacrifice X amount of them equal to the storm count, it's weird, but it works. It's great against stuff like Emrakul, and it's just a great card to play in total, so. There's your Emrakul fix. Um, so, kind of like a, not a big deal, but something we wanted to hit on in this episode was newer players. Mm -hmm. Tom and I are newer players, we're definitely in no way newer players we've been playing for quite some time now, but we've noticed and most would agree that newer players are not represented in podcasts because they don't generally listen to podcasts. They sit at their kitchen tables and they play and whatnot. And I think I feel like the time is right to do something like this because of like the Tweet MTG and the summer of multiplayer that's going on. So um, Sarah's here, and I've been teaching her how to play. It's it's kind of odd because I've I've, I've known the game. I'm so into the game that some of the stuff that I feel confuses her. Or, I don't know. Some of the stuff that gets o- that she overwhelms her and overwhelm very well overwhelms other players as well. Just is stuff that Tom and I and probably most of the listeners kind of blow over. So maybe if you're playing in a multiplayer group and someone in the group is newer, this will give you some insight into their minds in case you haven't taught anyone recently or you learned a long time ago or something like that. I think that's definitely a great setup for a very don't know how long it is going to be interview. I was going to say short or long, and then I was like, it's going to take the time. So That was awesome, Tom. You're, you're fantastic. Anyways, shut up, Trevor. Uh, let's introduce your awesome girlfriend, Sarah. And I and I like insert applause here, but I don't really know how. So... <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Yay, female demographic. Okay. <laughs> so, Sarah... How did you get into magic? Um, you happen to know, I have this lovely boyfriend, and his name is Trevor, and he plays magic all the time, and I'm like, what is this game called Magic? And so he decided to show me. It's been fun. And really scary. (laughs) Alright, that's great. Um, what actually interested you about the game in the first place? Um, I guess, kind of the reason it's like, really old I thought that was really cool I don't know it's like this old game it's like yeah I mean everyone plays and it just seemed really fun and everyone just seemed it's not so I don't want to say hardcore because it is but it's not so intimidating like other games are Um, and it's something that you can play just like casually in your kitchen and just have fun with it Um, and I thought that was neat like you don't have to go somewhere and do something you can just sit around and have fun with it 
Awesome. Uh, what do you uh, what do you find difficult about magic? Like, what was probably your toughest thing to learn about magic, or what do you still have difficulty with? Oh God. Okay, it's kind of like, what do I not find difficult about magic? I mean, <laughs> that's the question here. Um, <laughs> there are so many rules. There's just so much to think about, and so many different names, and so many things to try and figure out. Um, I pretty much got reading the card, which that was my first step. Was kind of like, all right, so what means what, and what's the power, and which is the toughness, and it doesn't say, so I had to, like, figure that out and remember it. Um, I think, oh, God, I don't even remember what power and toughness. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Power and then toughness? Yeah, power and then. You, okay. you also have trouble with keyword abilities. What's trample do? Crap. Hold on. Trample allows you to... Is that the thing where it's, like, the, the amount of... Keep going. Keep going. I know where you're. I know what you're getting at, but the listeners don't. Okay, it's like the amount of damage that you deal to the person. It's like gets the remainder goes over. I don't know how to explain this. Yay! Yeah, she's got the right idea. This is what I mean, though. Like for me, trample. Okay, the difference between the blocker's toughness and the attacker's power is dealt to the defending player. Oh, okay. (laughs) But but again, I'm not. What is haste? Haste allows it to. I'm in first without the summoning sequence. Correct. Um, Do you remember what vigilance is? No. Attacking doesn't cause it to tap. But yeah, this is like this is what I mean, especially for for us or us older players. The even key something is what seems as menial as keywords. Yeah. Like it's something that newer players struggle with. So keep going, Tom. All right. uh, The next question I think is a fun question. What's your favorite color? Blue! I like blue. I think it's awesome. I think it's just so much fun to play, and it has mermaids and fairies and stuff. Hi! Okay, so back to the stuff. Did you... Alright, so I was actually asking you what was your favorite part about blue? Like, do you like that it flies over things, that it goes through things, that you get to counter things, or stuff like that? I don't know. It seems really powerful, and I like that. I like that I can sometimes, occasionally beat Trevor. Um, I think that's cool, because I never win. Um, but I don't know. I think it's pretty. <laughs> the girl about this, I have no idea. I think it's just fun. I thought I think it's odd that um both Burke and I, who's another new player, um we both really like that color. I don't I don't know. It's just so much fun to play. I'll have to analyze that and get back to you. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Uh, I remember uh when Trevor randomly texted me one day. And he's like, guess what? Guess what Sarah and Brooke's favorite colors are? And I'm like, what, like green and red? And he's like, no, blue. And I don't think many players would guess that a person's first like favorite color would be blue, but I think it's really cool and awesome. And I guess a usual rounded out questions on the Magic interview is, um, what is your favorite Magic card? Do um, you know? I know. I really like Palaka Worm just because it sounds funny. Um... <laughs> But other than that, I kind of like whatever helps, pretty much. Lands are really cool. <laughs> other than that, I don't have a specific favorite. That's great. So you like good old palaka laka 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 worm I do. I think it's so much fun. I just, I like the name. I think they all have just great, funny names, so I like fun sometimes. That's definitely half the fun of playing Magic is like, you sometimes have to step back from it. And just realize that you're playing a game with, like, angels and, like, boars and, like, random yeah. stuff like that. You just have to keep it in perspective sometimes. It definitely gets odd a little bit, but you get used to it. 
Definitely. Um, I guess right now there's a, a large tournament going on in Colorado. What do you think about tournaments? Is that like not in your conscience right now, or do you just like do you think uh, about it? Would you like to go to a tournament in the future? I would like to go. I would like to get good enough where I can feel comfortable. I don't know. I'm just I'm still asking questions every 25 seconds about what I'm doing. 25 so. seconds. Okay, five <laughs> seconds. You know, whatever. So. I don't know, I think I'd like to go, like, maybe do, like, a Friday Night Magic and play with people that I don't know first before going to, like, a big tournament, but I would like to one day. That's awesome. So, I guess that kind of means we're out of questions for you, though. Is there anything else you would like to say about Magic, something you want to, like, communicate? Like, if the head persons at Wizards of the Coast, the guys that control Magic, was on the other side of the line instead of me... Is there anything you would say to him? Like, Mark Rosewater, you're awesome, or anything like that. I don't even know who he is, so I'd be like, hi, I don't know who you are, but you should probably make me nervous. Um, <laughs> other than that, I don't know. Try and have lots of rule books that tell me things, because I like having things that explain what's going on. Um, oh, they had really informative videos online on, like, the Wizards website <laughs> that I found one day. I was just like, I don't know, shut up, stop laughing at me. It was really cool, and they, like, explained things in detail, stuff that, like, Trevor, like, did not know how to explain, and it was just very, like, basic, but good. It was like, these are colors, these are what colors mean, which sounds just really dumb, but it was really awesome, so thumbs up on that. So, I guess a good thing to take from this, and thank you so much, Sarah, for being on in the first place, but an important thing for people who have been playing Magic for a long time, like Trevor's been saying, is that when you see wizards do things, like... When you go into, like, Magic 2011, you're like, oh, another course set, why do they keep on doing this? It's because they do have people new to the game, people who like the instructional videos that are on the site. Like, I remember watching the ones when they first came out in Lorwyn and being like, oh, these are annoying. But it's nice to hear that people definitely get uh, an actual, like, use out of them, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I remember uh, the first time I played, I got this really crappy, like, 6th edition rule book, But it was still, like, really important. Like, rule books are important, and nowadays you barely get them. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we were so happy to. I'm sure Trevor's, like, giving you a kiss or something, but I'm giving you a hug, too. So let's Aww. let's make this as awkward as we can. Hey! <laughs> Wait, no, if I'm kissing you and he's hugging you at the same time, this is just awkward territory. Yeah, hug me from behind. Whoa! <laughs> so, so, Tom, I think we have a title for this episode. So, yeah, Trevor hugs from behind. That's That's nice. Um, I guess before we wrap it up, uh, we did want this interview at the end. Um, I was playing, I was drafting last night, because I draft a lot now, and, um, just drafting Rizil Drazi, uh, Swiss, and I was versing this random guy, and he told me he was recording, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was just like, haha, I also record a podcast, and he's like, oh, sweet. I actually have a website called, we will plug now, generationd20.com, which is actually a very nice site. It's not just magic related. It has a bunch of other things like comic books. And um, he apparently wants to get with us in a non-sexual way later on. And hopefully we'll figure out something from there. But um, yeah, that's that's basically it for me. Um, Are you excited about the future, Trevor? I am thoroughly excited about the future. Um, beyond being excited about the future, if you guys would like to email us... There you go. Thank you. email us about your predictions of the future, and we're, our email is mtgradio at mtgcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com 
backslash MTG Radio. Our YouTube is youtube.com backslash the MTG Radio, because some curmudgeon stole MTG Radio. Yeah. Um, our Facebook group link is in the in the show notes as well. So it's a link to 60cards.com uh, and Generation D20. Um, my articles on 60cards.com go up bi-weekly, every two weeks, not one, not twice a week, which is very confusing, <laughs> by the way. I, yeah. Um, anyway. And these podcasts will, cross your fingers, start going back up weekly once we, Tom and I both get settled. Next week I'm moving back up to Orlando, and I don't know if I'm gonna have reliable internet, but as soon as I have reliable internet again, these will be going up weekly. As, at least from my side they will. How about you, Tom? Uh, I should be good. Uh, I'm still at home until the 18th. Speaking of which, you need to drive to Orlando and we need to hang out. That sounds great. It's really not that far at all. I can get there in about an hour and 30. Sweet deal. Alrighty, well, I believe that's all we have for this episode. So, uh, any any final final remarks, closing words you have? Um, Jareth Lean and Titan is still my favorite card, but it's really sad when like you come from your favorite card and you realize that it sucks. Like... I don't know. It's just weird. I I just kind of found it funny that Sarah's favorite cards were lands. Well, I, I wasn't here during that part of the interview. I have something to look forward to when I listen to it. Anyway, um, for episode 37 of MGG Radio, this has been Trevor. And this has been Tom. And Sarah. And thanks for tuning in.